Is it okay for a pastor to take a salary and receive support from his church? That's one of the questions we'll set out to answer today on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. When we put in a hard day of work, we expect to be compensated for it, right? Should those in ministry be treated any differently? Let's talk about that today on Abounding Grace. We've made it to chapter 9 of 1 Corinthians as we continue through this epistle together. Here the subject shifts to supporting the man of God. While Paul had certain rights as an apostle, he chose to lay some of them aside for the good of others and the glory of God. Here's Pastor Ed Taylor with part two of his message, The Evidence of Your Calling is the Fruit. Just because you have a business card and a website doesn't mean you have a calling. What's the fruit of your life? Occasionally we'll have people come up to me, come directly to me, and they'll they'll hand me a card and they'll hand me a ministry and they'll they'll talk to me about, hey, you know what, we should be doing this, Pastor Ed, we've been doing it. And and I'll, I'll say, well, you know, the Lord really hasn't spoken to me about that. Why don't we just wait on the Lord and let's just see how that doctrine works in your life. Let's just see the fruit of it. Let's just watch it work. And one of the ways that you can see the establishment of God's calling in your life is fruit. Fruit. If your calling's a teacher, we'll be able to see that. People will be taught. They'll be fed. They'll grow in the grace of Jesus. The proof of the calling will be in your life. Just like Paul right here says, says to the church, you guys are the fruit of my life. Whatever you're thinking right now and whatever accusations, I just want you to know I don't need any letters. I don't need any proof. I don't go to bed at night wondering. You might go to bed at night wondering. I don't wonder. I know God uses me and your fruit. The the fact that we're having this conversation is fruit that God has used me in your life. Pretty confident. Not cocky. Don't misunderstand Paul here. He's not cocky. Sometimes you might be accused of being cocky because you're all defensive. Don't fall into the trap. Just speak the truth in love. Back in 1 Corinthians now, chapter 9, verse 3. My defense to those who examine me is this. And now we see one of the things he was being accused of. We see one of the problems in his life. He was, this, this has to do with the finances of the church. He was being accused of taking advantage. And so he says, verse 4, do we have no right to eat and drink? Do we have no right to take along a believing wife? as do also the other apostles, the brothers of the Lord, and Cephas. You might want to mark Cephas. Some of you don't know that, but that's another name for Peter. Peter took his wife along with him in ministry. Now, those of you that have come from a Roman Catholic background need to hear the word of the Lord. Peter was married. He took on his believing wife. It was a big issue. He's asking, hey, look at Cephas. He could take his wife and I can't. Is it only Barnabas, verse 6, and I who have no right to refrain from working? This was no small attack on Paul. He's being examined, being judged, like in a courtroom. And his answer is simple. Can't we serve like the other guys serve? 
Why is there some different standard for us? He compares himself to Peter taking his wife along or Barnabas who stopped working to work full time and serve full time. And even though Paul didn't desire to stop working, he was a tent maker by trade. He worked while he served, but he could have. He could have. When Paul ministered in Corinth, you'll recall that he hooked up with a couple. Their name was Aquila and Priscilla, and they were tent makers. So they would make tents by day and serve the body at night. The needs of their home was, was fulfilled. The needs of their home were fulfilled by their job. And it's the exact same model we follow here at Calvary, that if you're going to be planning a church, then you need to go to a place and find a job so that the needs of your home can be provided for. You won't be a burden on the church while the, God is developing the church and the resources of the church can be used in outreach and evangelism to continue to grow the church and, and your family doesn't have to worry and your wife doesn't have to worry and your kids don't have to go hungry because you're working. You're providing for the needs of your home. So Paul did that. You, you might hear in the realm of talking to other pastors that are planning churches, they'll talk about their tent making and that's what they mean here. Paul made tents while he planted a church. That's how his needs were taken care of. Even though at this time, the churches were strong enough to be able to support Paul, he still chose to make tents. And it's a great model for planting churches. It's a great model. I know it's hard. I did it myself for many years. But it's a beautiful model to take care of the needs of the home while at the same time you have the freedom to just serve the Lord and finances. Just like finances are a big problem in marriages, you worry a lot about and talk a lot about finances, well, finances can be a big problem in the church and you can worry about that a lot too. And so by working, you're not only able to provide for the needs of your home, but you're also going into the world, sharing the gospel and, and through that, you can tell people about the church and minister to them and invite them and serve them. And it's vital for those that are praying about planning a church, those that want to go out, that you have a job to support the needs of your family. It's exactly what we did here. When we moved here in 1999 in July, I had a job. And I, day, the first week we got here, I started to work and showed up and got trained and developed. It was my same company, so I already had a lot of knowledge. But it was very, very, very good to have a place to have resources coming into the home so that we weren't a burden to this new fellowship and there was no pressure. We're just loving Jesus. Those that serve on staff here at Calvary spent many, many years serving while working a full-time job, just like many of you are doing right now. You work full-time and you serve the Lord. And sometimes it feels like two full-time jobs and you wonder, how can I do it? The grace of the Lord. He's going to empower you to do what you've been called to do. And sometimes people think, well... If I could just come on staff, that would be the solution. If I could just come on staff and, and just read and study the Bible all day and sing all day, that would be great. But what the folks, you know, I always try to let people know, coming on staff doesn't mean less work, it means more. Because now God has established in a staff pastor position, God has established the opportunity for you to take all that time and talent and devote it wholly to the things of the Lord. Not everybody's called to do that. Some of you are, I would dare say, most of you are, are used and God is using you in the world. That's where you belong. God doesn't want you on staff somewhere. He wants you in the world. He wants you serving there. And he's going to give you the grace and the strength to do exactly what you have been called to do. 
And Paul is establishing himself because he worked as a tent maker. He says in verse 7, whoever goes to war, he's going to give a practical example of now why it would be okay for him to receive support from the church. That's really the issue here as he winds into this next section. He is establishing, listen, I can receive support from the church. That's a hard thing, by the way. I remember the first time that it was time for me to leave my job and the first check I received that said Calvary Chapel on it was really hard for me to cash. It was a big, it was really hard. It was like, wow. I'm working in the world. It was easier to cash that check than it was like this is the precious tithes and offerings of the faithfulness of our church. And it's not only the precious tithes and offerings of the giving of our church, but now we're taking a step of faith and we're trusting that God is going to continue to provide through the church so that we can take care of our family and, and make sure that that burden, we're not, we're still not a burden on the church. And it was just, whoa. And I remember when we were getting to that place, it was really, really difficult uh, because the church was, was really increasing rapidly and the things at work were increasing rapidly and it all came to a head and I remember the, the board at the time, we used to go pray up on, I think it was up on Mississippi at the Denny's up there, Mississippi and Havana. And we would pray over there uh, in the mornings like we pray here now. And the guys were just saying, you know, Pastor, just do it, just do it, just do it. And I'm like, you know, uh, the church, like, the, I don't know if they, can, if they can afford to take care of my family. And so I went to the board and the board said, well, Ed, why don't you sit down with Marie and just write down what the bare minimum is for you to live on and I said okay we can do that and, and you know at the time I was I was very successful in what God had given me he blessed me greatly in the position that I had so really I know for the sake of people listening on the radio or anything you can't see this but it was the equivalent of making this to going to make this <laughs> it really was it was like whoa so I came back with the number the board approved it that was my salary for the year it's established it's established the same way every year uh, I don't have anything to do with establishing my salary the board does and so so we started living on it but the problem was is that Marie and I underestimated and we're like whoa this was like back when we first got married but God was going to teach us faith and trust and for that year we fulfilled that commitment and and we went back and said, hey, I think we underestimate a little bit. And uh, this is what we really need. And, and the Lord had provided and showed through his faithfulness. You know, there are times in your finances that God's going to touch them to test you and to prove you and to help you trust in him. The answer right now for you is not more, more, more. The answer for you and me is to trust, trust, trust. And if you need more, God will provide it. And if you need less... God will do that too so that you might trust him and it's through your faithful giving here at Calvary that the Lord has enabled us to have a staff we don't have a big staff we will never have a big staff it'll always be that'll always be a lean uh, type of ministry here so we don't have a large staff but it's your faithfulness in giving you wonder sometimes where does your giving go your giving goes in your faithfulness to help have full-time help here in the ministry people that are completely dedicated, but all of them worked full-time before they ever came on staff. They were working full-time and serving full-time. You have a faithful group of servants here in this church. I don't know how much interaction you've had with them, but I would encourage you to go up to the website and just click the staff page and just pray for them one by one and pray for the ministries under their care 
and pray for them as they dedicate their lives at much sacrifice, just like you. Those of you that are serving, those of you that are getting in the ministry, there's much sacrifice. But it's not sacrificing for nothing. It's not like, I know in my relationship with Marie and the kids, there's, it's important for her to understand, and it's, the Lord has taught us through the years, that there are just some times where we will have to sacrifice for the sake of the calling of God in my life. I didn't ask for this calling. She didn't ask for this calling. We just need to be obedient. God gave us this calling. And isn't that how God works? It's when you're not seeking it, that's when he does the work. It's when you're seeking, 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 it just seems like nothing's happening. But when you're waiting on the Lord, man, boom, God shows up. And so your faithfulness goes into all the outreach, all the ministry, all the, the neat things. What, what I think is going to surprise us over the years, when we maybe even in heaven and the heavenly scene, what's going to surprise us is the faithfulness in our ministry and in our giving, how many lives you actually affected. You don't even know it. Because we want to, we've been taught in our society immediate fruit results. Show me the money, you know. And as we're giving, we don't see immediate results. We may get a testimony here and there, and, and we get to see people getting saved and such. But I think that the magnitude of the ministry that God has allowed us to be in is going to blow our minds. Of course, when we talk about such things, there is a sad part to what I'm saying. And the sad part is, is that some of you can't share in anything that's going on in this church because you don't give. I don't know how you've convinced yourself that you don't need to give under the work of the Lord. I don't know who convinced you that it's no big deal and that you'll get back to it some other day. And, and you know, I've got other issues and I've got other things to take care of and I don't need to give and I don't need to give my tithes and all. I don't, I don't know how you've been convinced of that. I don't know how you can open up the word and say, well, you know what, I'll just tell you right now. It says I can give hilariously in my heart and I don't really feel hilarious in my heart right now. So I haven't given for 20 years of my Christian life. You misunderstand the Bible. Is that what you do with all the scriptures? Probably not. And so when you hear the testimonies, you might rejoice because there's a rejoicing in the room, but you can't really rejoice in your heart of hearts because you haven't been faithful in giving. There's not fruit to your account because you haven't given. And you know we don't place a great emphasis on trying to twist your arm to give and you know we don't watch you when you're at the box and then open it up real quick to see what it was in there or we don't have little alarms if coins drop in and ding, 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 or any, none of that stuff. That's not our heart. Your giving is between you and the Lord. But I can say this. A root of many problems in Christians' lives is directly related to their selfishness in giving. If you don't think it's going to affect other parts of your life, you've been, you've been deceived. And you and I should never really feel comfortable holding back from the Lord. Even in difficult times, because you know how you came into this world? You know how I came into this world? Naked with nothing. So that means anything in my life is an increase from him. Anything. If I'm on hard times and I have more than zero, it's increase from the Lord. If I've been struggling and, and I have more than zero, it's increase from the Lord. If I'm abounding, it's increase from the Lord. It belongs to him. It's not mine. It would really be great if we could set up a banking system so that on all our accounts it just said God's. When I'm writing a check, I'm writing a check with God's money. When I'm putting cash down on the table, I'm putting it as God's money. It's not mine. It doesn't belong to me. I'm a steward of it. And I'm blessed over the years that God has taught me and I'm blessed over the years that God is teaching you that there's fruitfulness in your giving. 
There is. Whether you see it or not, I promise you, there's fruitfulness in your giving. And God is stirring you up to give. It, there's fruitfulness. You'll, you'll see it eventually. What's done in secret, the Bible says, will be rewarded openly. You want to learn how to give. Not just in your finances, your money, but you want to give of your lives. It's worth it to let God use you. To let God show you the bountiful blessings of being a giver. Supporting missions, supporting missionaries, supporting pastors, supporting outreach, supporting benevolence. It's, it's all included. You don't want to be left outside on that. You don't want to be left outside in fear and, and intimidation. Of course, in our day and age, the biggest problem is debt. That's why we have these classes. And everybody that's finished the classes have been blown away how God has a plan for them to get out of debt. And once you're out of debt, it's the most free. I, I don't know if you've ever felt this before, but when you write the last payment for your car, it's like so free. The last thing I want to do after I write that last payment is to go buy another car. <laughs> I really have no desire for another lengthy series of car payments. That's the last thing I want. Of course, there's a necessity at times. There's a necessity to use unrighteous mammon wisely. But debt just wipes Christians out. The number of the last class, one of the classes, I don't remember which one of the finance classes of how much debt was in there, I almost fell out of my chair. Hundreds of thousands of dollars in just a small group. Hundreds of thousands of dollars. And I'm sure if we just dedicated a week of, hey, and, and I'm not talking about debt that is necessary at times, like a, like, like a car payment perhaps, or a mortgage. I'm talking about the consumer debt, you know, just running, just running a credit card, running a credit card. Before you know it, like, I have $5,000 in debt. Where did that come from? You weren't paying attention. That's where it came from. It came from that Big Mac, and you know, it came from that hat, it came from that pair of pants, or whatever. It came I remember early on with Marie and I, we had all this debt and we had absolutely nothing. I mean, I bought one of these stereos. Remember in the day where the speakers were that big? You know, they're about five feet tall. And I bought a stereo. That's about all we got on a TV. Um, but I, other than that, I have no idea. I couldn't account for it. And fortunately, that was before I got saved. Because now, as, as being a saved person, I want to be free so that I could be free to give. Matter of fact, the Paul, Paul writes to the Ephesians, he says, you, you and I were working... We're not just working for ourselves. We're working so we can give to others. It's a great way to live. Paul here is establishing the truth that it is okay for a pastor to take a salary or to be supported by the ministry. It is absolutely okay. It's ordained of God. Because there's some groups today that say that's unbiblical. They, they don't read their Bible. And most of the pastors that I have met would rather work in the world a few more years than take a salary. Because it's a, it's a heavy thing. It's a, you do it with great trepidation. So he says now, notice, whoever goes to war at his own expense, who plants a vineyard and does not eat of its fruit, who tends a flock and does not drink of the milk of the flock. These are natural things. Everybody, you, you're out there with a garden, you're gardening wise, so you can enjoy the vegetables. We have a lot of families that live out east in Watkins. They have goats and they have chickens and they're raising them for what? So you can have goat stuff and chicken stuff. That's why. That's why you have them. You have, you, you, you're, you're working and laboring so you can enjoy the fruit of your work and your labor. And they're there to support you. 
I, he says, do I say these things as a mere man? Again, he's defending himself. He's, am I just trying to defend myself? You think I'm just talking to you so, so that I can win an argument here? Is it just like a mere man? Or doesn't the law say that? Now, next to that, you can write Deuteronomy chapter 25, because the law does say that. In Deuteronomy chapter 25, verse 4, it says, For it is written in the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain. You got that? Don't muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain. You get it? Anybody have any oxen? Ah, good point, because notice he says, does he say it all together for our sakes? No. For our sakes, or excuse me, for, for it is written, you shall not muzzle an ox what treads out the grain. Is it oxen God is concerned about? And there's a picture here when the oxen were being used to go through the grain and, and, and take it and harvest it while some of it and most of it was picked up some of it was left on the ground and they weren't to muzzle them or close their mouths they could just go and eat while they're working that's the whole point they just let them eat while they're working don't muzzle them but then paul says now in the in the law is is god concerned just about the oxen or does he say it all together for our sakes for our sakes no doubt this is written that he who plows should plow in hope and he who threshes in hope should be partaker of his hope. If we have sown spiritual things for you, is it a great thing if we reap your material things? And if others are partakers of this right over you, why are we not even more? Nevertheless, so he establishes and it says, it would be okay if we were to take a salary or support from you. Like we support missionaries. It would be the equivalent of a missionary saying, hey, look, I'm out on the mission field. And you don't want to support me. I don't know, understand why, because it's okay for you to support me. It'd be actually good for you to support me. So as I dedicate my life full-time to the mission field, through your support, you can live a spiritual part of your life through me. This could be easily written from a missionary. I mean, think about it. When I have some friends that, that in their ministry, when times get tough spiritually, when times get tough financially, you know what they do? They cut their missionaries out. And I'm like, man, I don't think God can bless that. It's like, oh, we're going through some tough times right now financially, and, and here's all our bills, and then we've got this big chunk. For us in particular, I think we're probably over 15% at least, maybe 16, 17. I haven't looked at it in that way in a while, of missions and outreach. So that's a significant portion of, of ministry that outgoes just, to, just in particular to missionaries and outreach. And it would just be really sad to see that as such a, like a business decision. Well, here, we could save a lot of money by just telling the missionaries, you're on your own. Wow, that would be disobedient, I think, to this passage here, not to muzzle an ox. How often when we get into these difficult times, and I feel bad for my pastor friends because I think that they would rather not do that, but because of the way that their churches are set up and their governments or the, the spiritual government of their church is set up, that's just how things do. That's just how they take votes on everything. And, well, yeah, should we get rid of the missionaries and keep the, ah, let's just get, no. No way. Somebody's got to step up and say, no, let's support the missionaries. They need us. They're thousands of miles away. They need support. And often what the Lord is wanting to do is teach us to trust him. Instead of attacking something like a business, we should probably call a prayer meeting. Let's start praying. I know I found that when tough times come around here, we, we just say, let's start praying. A good idea there. When times are tough, start praying and trust the Lord.
Today on Abounding Grace, we've been in 1 Corinthians as Pastor Ed Taylor is leading us verse by verse through this epistle. If you joined us late or would just like to hear the message again, go online to calvaryco.church. Another way to take in a steady dose of God's Word is through our apps. Not only do we offer a church app, but the Grace FM Colorado app as well. Download those today for free by searching for Calvary Church Aurora. If you take a brief moment to write or call, that would make our day. Let us know the station you're listening to and if today's study was a blessing to your life. And we'd also love to pray for you. You can email us through the website at calvaryco.church. Abounding Grace is made possible through the support of our listeners. And when you give a donation of $25 or more to Abounding Grace, you're invited to request a copy of the book, Holy Land Key by Ray Bentley. For quite some time, Pastor Ray Bentley has partnered with God's people in Israel and witnessed the fulfillment of prophecy firsthand. This book will introduce you to prophetic signs that God reveals in sometimes unexpected ways. Call 877-30-GRACE or visit calvaryco.church. That's 877-30-GRACE. And then be sure to join Pastor Ed Taylor next time for more teaching from the book of 1 Corinthians. That's right here on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church Colorado here in Aurora.